Welcome to Tavern Tales Presents The Power of Friendship, a 5e Dungeons and Dragons actual play curated for your enjoyment. is session three of the princes of the apocalypse i'm kyle and once again i'm about to take a trio of exciting and fun players into the world of the imagination so if you would all indulge me a moment and close your eyes we will now drift away from who we are and where we are and the toil of the day the pressures and stress of the week can wash away from you as though you're wading out leaving this dry, dusty place of reality behind and walking into the wet and tingling, cold, rushing water of a beautiful stream of the imagination. And your feet, you can feel them, are freezing cold as you enter and we sink ever further and deeper. And as we walk and our head crests the the river itself, we're taken away by it, and were swept into the world of Faerun, where it is dark at night, and a breeze blows whistlingly through a mausoleum, nestled inside a little valley just outside the small town of Red Larch. This is the town's graveyard, and the town has been here for a very long time, so there are a number of crosses and grave markers all throughout this little valley, but a great mausoleum stands in the middle of it. A hill in the distance can be vaguely made out in the dim, dark recesses of night. This is the hilltop that our characters oh so recently traveled down on their way to collect this item that Benson had sent Ellis for. We go into the mausoleum itself, into this hidden back antechamber, this hidden back room that has a huge plinth, a huge resting place with a a stone that covered the top that used to be etched in relief of the beauty of her time, Lelandra Eleanor, but that is shattered and lies in cracked pieces upon the floor. You can hear the short quick breathing of those who have just finished combat. Score is rolling out a 
sleeping bag, a, a pallet upon which to lay out because he's decided that here is the best place that they can afford to do a rest. They're all tired, they're all hurt, and while they've just so recently swallowed the invigorating taste of a healing potion that comes with it the effervescent flavors that are most delightful to your characters. You can feel it gurgling and burgling and kind of burning inside of you, like hot chocolate that may be just a bit too hot, or uh, a vinegary pickle that's just a bit too sour, or maybe both of those things combined together in some magical mishap. That's what this healing potion has done, and it has healed your wounds before your very eyes. You can hear the soft, faint strum of, well, it could be a lute, it's not too clear. It doesn't seem like it's complicated enough to be a proper lute playing, coming from within the confines of Lilandra's tomb. Dwayne, why don't you introduce us to Score as he's rolling out this this bedroll? Score Everhart is a fire genasi monk. He is say about five foot eight, pretty muscular guy, and he is definitely showing signs of at least mental fatigue this has been a unexpected night he almost died he got electrocuted by his best friend while holding a ghost sword this is not a usual thing for him and it's been a lot he thought this would be a fun first adventure with his friends and it's very shocking to him how hard this adventuring life is so he is just heavy size slowly moving rolling out his blanket he's really not talking to anybody he's just trying to digest everything that's going on and he's like i don't even know if what we're doing here i don't know i just i can't believe vivi electrocuted me and Last time it was for a science experiment, so I at least knew what was happening. This was a ghost sword, and I don't even know about ghost swords, and I don't know. I I think Ellis almost died, and he's been acting weird since he killed those two dudes, and this is just... I just need to sleep. I am exhausted. And Christina, Vivi, the heroine, the hero of the day, the savior of her two friends' lives from the depredations of that flying sword, you do happen to catch scores mumbling under his breath. Can you describe Vivi, where she's at and what she's doing? She's quiet, which is not normal for her. She's usually babbling. Or saying something, even if it's just talking to herself, but she's incredibly silent and she's just sort of sitting on the ground, her knees up to her chest and sort of just thinking because she doesn't feel like a heroine. She feels like this is all her fault. She was the one who wanted to open the tomb. She's the one who wanted to open the door and her curiosity has been the undoing of so much and has almost killed her friends. And yet she's feels so guilty and scared and is just, she hears it and she's hurt, but she's also like, he's right. She didn't think before acting. She was just so like convinced, like I have to get rid of the sword. And it's like, Oh, of course, if he's holding on to it and if I electrocute it, of course he'll get hurt, but it, it didn't cross her mind, and she's beating herself up about that. 
Is there a little tear trickling out of the corner of her eye, or has she just got that glassy thousand-yard stare going It's definitely a thousand-yard stare situation. Like, she'll probably start crying soon, but now it's just sort of like staring at the stone, sort of. You feel the stone of the mausoleum, the the tomb itself pressed against your back is cold and a little comforting in how hot everything has been and how rushing around a sweaty and torrent of emotion and action and all that adrenaline release is finally making its way and breaking down in your system and it feels cool and calming and you realize does Vivi have a bedroll on her? Don't think so. You can start to wonder what you're gonna do to to stay the night in this mausoleum to be at least a modicum of comfortable. Ellis though Christopher has not heard any of this because Ellis, unbeknownst to both Score and Vivi, has heard some music coming from the tomb itself. Why don't you describe Christopher? Why don't you describe Ellis's walk to there and tell us where uh, Ellis is at and how he's feeling and what's he looking like physically? I don't know why I'm here. I don't know how I've gotten here. I wanted to stay on the farm and my dad pushed me out to Red Larch and I wanted to just work in the luthier shop, but I was pushed to try and own it. And then I wanted to just play my songs in a bar and Benson sends me on this quest and I'm, I'm confused and I'm, and I'm a bit angry at, at this position that I'm put in. It's too, it's not what I wanted. And, and so as I'm walking, I'm holding the sheet music and I'm feeling it in my hands and the music is almost like a uh, music box and the melody though is sad it's a sad melody maybe not to some but to Ellis it makes him feel sad he steps over to the tomb itself you can see that the sheet wrapped remains are but bits of bone at this point after hundreds or thousands of years that or i guess hundreds of years that lilandra eleanor has laid here and the sheet just covers her there is another thing it's almost a case and it's narrower to one side and wider to the other i reach down and i touch the top of the case i want to feel it there's um a spark betwixt you and the case. Not a painful one, just a, a flicker of light, magical light that comes when you lay your hand upon it and the music that you could hear stops suddenly. <gasps> I pull my hand back. <gasps> and I put my hand back on it, full palm, and press it down. Yeah, there, there's something warm underneath and within this case. And I pull it out. And I open it. Is there a latch that I can... Yeah, let's say that it's a leather case with thin wooden binding on the inside to give it some structure. And it opens like you would a chest with the top opening up. And there's a leather strap that slides through a loop on the main side of the case. There's a little leather wrapped thong that has two stones in it that you need to like work your way through to then allow the loop to come out that allows the flap to come out of the loop. If you can picture that in your mind. And so I set it down on the floor and I I say to them, I, I, 
I'm going to open this. I, I, I don't know what it is or why, but I, I feel compelled to open it and just make them alert of it. They, I, I show them the case and, and then without hesitation, I start to work the stones to try and open the case. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You have to, you know, slide them through their little leather strip that comes when one or both of them. And you can then slide that flap out and then you can pull open that piece of leather that covers the entire thing that has a couple of wooden slats in it that allows it to keep its shape as well. And this leather is old, but well-oiled. And what color is it, Christopher? Real dark crimson, like almost uh, reddish brown. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's great. I could picture that. And you can see actually that there is a strap on the other side, the bottom of this box that you've got in your hands. There's a strap on the other side that you could, you feel like you could put the whole thing over your back if you wanted to and wear it across your shoulders. And as you open it, there is um, a trilling series of notes, some missing though, strummed on a a lute or a like a guitar and you uncover this beautiful wrought lute oh thank god i thought it was a bomb okay okay it's it's just a lute it's just a lute uh i heard music from it though uh vivi do you know of any lutes that play themselves i guess it could be enchanted, I maybe, but it's really, it's old, so maybe it's like old magic, maybe. All right, well, um, and I and I lift the lute out. As soon as you touch the lute, you hear a voice dimly in your mind. This voice is musical, neither masculine nor feminine. It is quiet and serene. And speaks in really old, almost timeless aphorisms and introduces itself to you. I'll give you the brass tacks of it. It's an instrument of the bards, but it is not your typical instrument of the bards. It's a sentient instrument of the bards. I think this lute is a person is does that make sense what i said i don't know i I, i'm confused it's it's talking to me can uh can people be turned into musical instruments is that like a thing that could happen to people i yeah i guess so i mean transmutation you can you can do almost anything really if you're powerful enough but helis uh you hit your head really hard and you are impaled maybe maybe it's just, you know, the shock of everything. I, are you sure it's talking to you? Well, I mean, that's true. But just a counterpoint, we were attacked by a floating sword. You know what? That's fair. Uh, well, hold on. Let me, let, me, let me see if I can talk to the loot. But maybe don't listen in case I am crazy. This is going to be embarrassing if I'm actually crazy. Uh, uh, loot, okay. loot. Are you there? Am I crazy? So it doesn't really have the ability to respond to you. It's kind of talking, but it's not talking to you yet. Oh, uh... It's magical, and the voice, again, not really clear. You give the once-over of this loot, and I'm going to show you an image, Christopher. 
And you can revise and alter this image as you'd like, but I will have a couple of ads to this image because there are some things that are wrong with this loot. And that might tell you, just because you're a bard and you know instruments, that might tell you right away why the loot can't communicate with you. And so here, I'll share my screen because I really liked this picture. Ooh. This is this is the loot itself. Oh well, I mean, as a luthier, I, I mean, are we talking? This is accurate. It has no strings, right? Yeah, this one doesn't have any strings. The one you're holding in your hand, oh, okay. does, but it is missing several strings. And I don't know if you can see my mouse or yep. not. Some of the um, tuning knobs are missing as well for the same strings that gotcha. are on. And whatever it's called at the base down here where the strings are connected to, I can't remember the blocker. It is broken as well. And the, the th and normally I for all of the studying and research I did was that a lute has four strings. It's a four-stringed instrument, from yeah. my knowledge. Yep. This one is supposed to have eight, and so it matches with the instrument you're seeing here. It is currently missing five of those strings, though. So there's only right. three uh, the bridge. working strings. There we go. Thank you. Yes, the bridge. Uh, the bridge is broken and cracked, and only three strings remain connected and tied. But when you strum those three strings as you do now, all of them ring pure, true, and in tune. This isn't really um, a win in the I'm not crazy column, but the loot can't talk to me right now, but I think I need to repair it in order for it okay. to talk to me. Uh, it's like, uh, it just seems very busy and, and not really talking to me. It's just voices in my head, you see. Well, not crazy voices though, but it's telling me to do things. Wait, okay. Um, <laughs> well, what's it saying, Alice? Well, it, 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 it's saying that it is the loot. It's, it says, well, it didn't really say hello, I suppose, but it said that it's the loot. And I just, th there seems to be um, uh, some sort of um, barrier between us. I want to get closer to the loot is what I'm saying. Okay, wait, let me back up and start over. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ellis. I, th I, I think this loot's talking to me. Guys, I'm sorry if that sounds crazy. It's been a crazy day. Yeah, man, we've we've been through a lot tonight. So I'm not saying that it's not talking to you, but it could not not be. So I think the best yeah. for us will try to get some sleep. And then maybe when we get back to your dad's place, you probably have some parts and stuff. Maybe we can fix it there. I mean, I don't know if you carry around a loot repair kit in your pack or not, but there's nothing we can do no, right now. Not in my pack, but there is there is one at my father's house. I think, anyway, the last time he might have thrown it out. Uh, but yeah, you're probably right. It's just been a long day. And I'm sure that when I wake up in the morning, this will just be a normal loot. In fact, I guarantee it. The loot seems to be upset about the fact that you're calling it a normal. So the loot is mad at me, guys. So I want to stop talking about it. I know that sounds crazy, too. And the, the evidence is mounting, but the loot is mad at me. Okay. Is the loot hungry? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't think it gets hungry, but um, what would we feed a loot? Rhythms? I could tap on it and Ellis kind of like does like a little tickle on the loot. Like he's like, like he's like rubbing the belly of a dog. Like, you like that, boy? Yeah, it warms to your touch and wants to spend more time with you. Guys, 
The loot likes it. So says the loot. I mean, the loot says that. I, I'm sorry. That sounds crazy. I, I, I understand. It's, a, it's okay, okay, buddy. Why can't I stop tickling this loot? I, I'm, I know this looks crazy, but it's just, it gives me a warm feeling and it likes it. I need to go to sleep, guys. <laughs> yeah, Score's going to look over at Vivi and not say anything, but do that look like, I think our friend just went crazy. It's okay because he's getting there. So let's try to get him to sleep. We don't need to escalate this. So just sure. Just nod along. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Vivi's nice like, yeah, you can hug it while you sleep like a teddy bear. Maybe that will make it happy. Did you hear that, Loot? You're sleeping with me tonight. <laughs> I, I, I'm not talking to the Loot. I, I was just saying that out loud <laughs> to everybody. Okay. <laughs> That's that's great, buddy. Vivi, do you have a bedroll? Because I I have one that you could you could have of mine, and I could spend more time, you know, over here, not near the loot. It's not about the loot. I think you should sleep on the bedroll because you got stabbed. So you should sleep. I'll take first watch. I'm not tired. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm gonna put the loot down. Uh, Ellis kind of puts the loot in the corner, just sets it. And kind of backs away from it and lies down. He, uh, it like plays on notes to you in your mind of you guys, sorrow and loss and desiring your touch. You got. You guys hear that, right? You hear that song about desiring my touch? Nobody. I, I, that's all you, man. No. That's in my head, too. I have a quick question, though, for score. Your bedroll's all out. Everything's ready for you to lay down. Uh, got a little folded cloak for your head. And you're like, hmm, yes, everything's good. But... Ellis keeps saying the words loot over and over and over. And Score knows what a loot is now. But did he mistake loot for treasure and the, you know, I went to 7-Eleven and I came back with a big loot bag (laughs) of candies? Did he mistake that word initially when he was first interacting with Ellis and Ellis was talking about, you know, how good he is with loot and thought that Ellis was maybe a robber? (laughs) So you mean like the first time he ever met Ellis? Yeah. I would probably think that if he was talking about loot and this is the first time I ever met Ellis and Score doesn't have much musical experience, he would definitely think that Ellis was bragging about either being like a thief or a rogue of some kind. Like, oh, he likes to break into people's houses and steal stuff, which like, that's a skill, I guess. And so (laughs) probably for the first couple months of their friendship, he didn't leave anything out for him to be (laughs) here until he started noticing, oh, he's playing musical instruments. And then he would go over to Vivi's and go, um, hey, uh, Vivi, um, I know there are sometimes words that have more than one meaning. They're like homophones or something. Does the word, does the word loot mean anything other than treasure? Because Ellis is all about the loot, but I've never seen him with any real gold or jewels. It's a guitar score. <laughs> oh, oh, whoa, wow. wow. Okay, I totally have misjudged him. I should not have been telling people to hide their goods around Ellis when he was in town. I feel somewhat bad about this. I'll have to make it up to him. That's my bad. Totally my bad. Don't tell him I told you this, Vivi. Flashback noises. <laughs> yeah, hey. Score. He said the word loot a whole bunch after he pulled this item out from within the tomb. You're connected to that, the idea of loot and that remembrance and the small chuckle of like, oh yeah, treasure. And does Score have an, oh wait, treasure moment or not? Like there should be loot here not not just a loot yeah there's a loot here and loot here (laughs) like she pulled out 
three healing potions. And then the next thing that was in there, you've never even looked in this tomb yet. Now, granted, it's got the remains of a dead person, so not super awesome to go looking into. I get the idea of wanting to give your distance. However, you're also a monk of the long death. So I wonder, does this connect to you at all and lead you to want to have a look to see if there was anything else of value? Um, I would say that once Score and Ellis and everyone, the kind of the, the talk of the loot kind of stops for a little bit. And it, we have that little moment of quiet that. There is never a moment. Ellis. <laughs> every 30 <laughs> seconds. Is like, I, 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 I know I'm saying it a lot. I hear myself saying it, but I, I, I can't stop. It's, uh, I, I promise I won't say loot anymore. I just did it. I, I know. How can I talk about stop saying loot when I'm, I have to say the word loot to tell you I'm going to stop saying the word loot? It's all right, buddy. It's okay. You, you know, you do. You got a magical thing talking to you. It, it, it's all right, man. It's no big deal. It's all good. Okay. All right. I'm going to get yeah. some rest, I think. Yeah. Why don't you just try to just <laughs> dream looty dreams, my friend. Dream looty dreams. Okay. Once that conversation would, would go and just to kind of inspect the, the tomb to see the dead, to see if it would laid properly to rest if it was you know what the condition of the body was in just as he has this growing fascination with death because this is the beginning of his long death career so he's kind of been reading books and things and learning more about death so he's just kind of has that kind of dark morbid curiosity about the condition of this magical loot player and how they got buried here so yeah once ellis turned away he would walk over to the tomb and <laughs> kind of just gingerly peek over to look because he's he's waiting for another magical sword to stab him in the chest or something like that. So he's a little wary as he peeks over the edge. If this was a different game, I would have immediately had the skeleton <laughs> sit up and do the head turn and jump scare the uh, whole audience. Like, why now? The snake's coming out of the eyes. <laughs> the light in the room to you bleeds away to darkness. And you can see a long, probably seven to eight foot long almost looks like a tube of fluorescent lighting okay flickers and goes to light it's not that fluorescent lighting color though it's got that red fiery you know initial flickers of glowing ember in a small bundle of kindling you've got all like a bundle of wire or um string that you've bound together to keep an ember alight and it's glowing and brightening and it's a long tube of it that's maybe eight feet long it is the only light in the room it's in the tomb or like in the in the coffin thing or in the room i'm in so that you're in the mausoleum you're in a room in the mausoleum the resting place of lelandra is before you and that is there in the coffin it's not really a coffin it's a big stone encasement right so score will look at the light and look back at vivi and ellis and neither of them are reacting to this this new light source in the room not at all it is the only light source in the room so yeah score will just and you can get that there's a faint humming and crackling sound as of a torch very faint crackling but that hum grows as you get closer to it he's just in his head i'm gonna be talking about a loot now that's what's gonna happen to me i'm gonna be mumbling about a loot the rest of the night like he is <laughs> he will go closer till he can get a a clear view of this tube he'll look back and look at vivi and think about calling her over because whenever he doesn't know anything vivi's like his walking you know wikipedia he'll ask her and she usually knows stuff <laughs> and but he sees that she's got that thousand yard stare and it's been a night and he's like, um, I, I don't want to bother her. She's 
got her own stuff and it can't be that bad, right? It's, it's just magic. No big deal. And he'll just reach in and grab whatever this thing is and try to either lift it up or just reach towards his hand to see if he feels any heat or anything. So it's enclosed in almost a velvet bag that has managed to last the hundreds of years. This velvet bag, but you can close your hand around, right around it very easily, Mm -hmm. even though Score Everhart has tiny little Trump hands, I'm picturing. (laughs) (laughs) He's canon. (laughs) (laughs) Makes makes small potatoes look like big potatoes. Your hand can close around it easily, and it is smooth and cylindrical inside this bag. He'll just lift the the velvet bag, and holding the velvet bag in his left hand, he'll just feel the weight of it, and it's what, like... It's long and eight feet long. What's it, eight-foot velvet tube? Give or take. You're saying bag, I'm thinking like a dice bag. That's where my brain went. Yeah, that's... But it's a bag that you would hold something that is eight foot long. Interesting, okay. Yeah, he'll pull up the the tube and then just unsheath whatever this thing, and just undo the top and just slide the velvet bag off to see whatever this eight-foot tube in the velvet bag is. You pull out... A quarterstaff. Where you're holding the quarterstaff is perfectly round, but you can see, you know where that's got the this image here that I'm showing you has those engraved runes? Those are not engraved runes. They are figures either falling or climbing. Really hard to tell which of those two it is. They are falling or climbing all the way down the length of the quarterstaff itself. It appears as though there's a ca- there should be a cap end to the quarterstaff, and that is missing. Okay. And you see in this one here, where it branches into these different branching yeah. sections, both of those are missing on this. You can see where they start. The V of them starts, but then it's just cut off. So the two little X parts at the top are gone. Right at the first, yeah. it looks like a V mm, okay. currently. Yeah. And it, it's currently missing. And you can see there's doweling holes in there for those pieces to be like placed in. They're just not there. And when your hand touches it, the light goes out, normal light returns, but you feel infused with a light as well as this quarterstaff speaking very bluntly and very solemnly and very stolidly and slowly communicates its uh, personality to you without words. You feel as though it, it, it wants to talk to you. It just it just cannot. It's trying to as you hold it. In okay, and then the, the personality, what kind of energy you said I'm getting from it? It has what type of personality? It's very solemn. It's very stubborn. It's very resolute and the word fiery comes to mind but i didn't want to like use the word fiery to just intense yeah there's some intensity there for sure he'll hold the staff in his hands and just kind of run his finger over the image of the either climbing or falling person i guess from whatever your perspective is when you're looking at the staff and does he i mean would he have any recollection of what this thing could possibly like these symbols mean anything to him they speak to mm-hmm. death but it's not clear to you it's not even language it's just it's like pictographs symbolism. and stuff yeah so he'll take the staff and bring it up close to his ear and shaking his head looking over at ellis and go just whisper real quietly so hopefully no one else hears him go, um mr staff are you there cuz <laughs> the loot was talking to Ellis, and am I supposed to talk to you? Hello? It's the end of the 
This has been The Power of Friendship. Our intro and outro song is The Power of Friendship by Miss This. Check out their music on Twitter, YouTube, or join their Patreon today at Miss This Band. Join us next month for more of the adventure. And as always, thanks for listening. Ooh.